Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Hello everybody and welcome to Legends of Greyskull. The fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Theria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK Annuals, comics, mini-comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo down in the corner. I'm Matthew Dooch, here again with Sean Scavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? I'm pretty nervous because I think today we're going to be talking about the most dangerous man in Eternia, if the I remember correctly. most dangerous man in Eternia. We're back again. This is our episode three of our Revelation Breakdown. So, today we are discussing episode three of the Masters of the Universe Revelation series. Uh, streaming exclusively now on Netflix. Go check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, watch The Most Dangerous Man in Eternia! And then come back and listen to us, because it's going to be a lot better that way. Trust me, <laughs> it is. Um, uh. This is written by Mark Bernardin and directed again by Adam Canaroy and Patrick Stannard. I think those two are going to be pretty standard across the series, it looks like. They're going to be our Gary Hartel. Gary Hartel. <laughs> Gary Hartel. Gary Hartel. Gary Hartel. Gary Hartel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I'm not doing a recap. If you haven't watched episode one, episode two, if you haven't seen the Netflix show, go do those first. Then come here. We're diving right into episode three. So first off, um, when these, these titles came out, eh, what, a day or two before the series came out, it was pretty close. Yeah. Um, did you have any thoughts about who the most dangerous man in Eternia might be? Um, I know it's hard to think back I, without, without having, now having seen the episode yeah, it, and enjoyed it. Um, knowing now what I didn't know then kind of a thing. I, yeah. I honestly would have thought it could have been a Man at Arms episode for the fact that it, I, I would think 2000X Man at Arms, though. I wouldn't have thought yeah. Filmation. It would have been like uh, when we did our uh, episode about the uh, the Council of Evil. Yes. Um, it, like he went head to head against Skeletor in that episode to a standstill, unfortunately. But it's like that version of Man at Arms, I feel like that's what they wanted to do in this from how action oriented even that trailer was. And uh, yeah, this episode pretty much proved me right. But if I would have thought about it otherwise, yeah, I, I would have put my money on man at arms. Yeah. Cause I didn't see Rio blast anywhere. I would have put him as maybe that one, since he could just boom guns everywhere. He's a living arsenal, but yeah. See, I guess for me <laughs> seeing most dangerous man in Eternia, um, my mind went to villain. I thought yeah. this was going to be a villain-centric episode. Um, and seeing what we had seen, my money was on either um, Triclops or Beastman. I thought uh, I thought maybe, you know, maybe uh, as, as, you know, we know they're going on a quest for the Power Sword, I was thinking maybe 
Triclops is like hunting them or something, you know, like they got to get past him or whatever, or maybe Beastman. Mm -hmm. But then we saw some later images that, that, you know, it looked like Beastman might be on the side of the good guys, at least for a time. Um, so yeah, but my money was kind of a toss up there, but I really thought that it was going to be referring to a villain. I don't know why you're dangerous. And I'm just like, I'm going to villains like this is, this is our obstacle mm-hmm. to overcome is what sure. the title felt like. So it, it did kind of juke me on that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we start off the episode here. They are heading to find somebody who might have the knowledge to reforge the two halves of the power sword into one, well, if they are able to find them. But uh, that's their first step. So they're heading out there. Actually, it starts off with uh, another one of those patented flashbacks, uh, which yeah. I love. And this is the one that was leaked, uh, leaked, uh, revealed, however you want to look at it, uh, about a week or so before the series premiered. This is with... He-Man and Tila being captured by Merman and his Aquaticans. Another nice throwback to Filmation, they're Aquaticans. Um, mm-hmm. And getting, He-Man's got some sort of magical uh, handcuffs on him, and they get thrown off the side of the boat, and uh, 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 Man-at-Arms shows up with an underwater uh, scuba gear and blasts them free, and they're able to defeat Skeletor. So, mm-hmm. and again, I'm loving these flashbacks. Like t- it just, it just feels so, so old school, just so pure He-Man. And, uh, and can we talk a minute about how He-Man is drawn in this? Like if you, anybody sure. wanted their muscular bodybuilder, like ridiculous proportions, He-Man, like this is it. I mean, he is just stacked here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, ever since 2000X, I thought, okay, that is that because I I love that he looked like a mountain in that one. He, he right, literally so. took that most powerful man look yes. down to a T. And then when you see this one, it's it's like the best of both worlds, where there is a filmation esqueness in the body type, but there's also still the the power of the 2000X oh my God, one. He is, I, I love it half that broad you know yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, and the, the oh. other thing too and and for me i can imagine i, I think when uh 2000 x uh when the four horsemen were working on the toy line yeah they had back and forth with mattel on how he-man was going to look in particular yeah, so because of the page boy haircut filmation thing and the the thing that impressed me was they managed to pull it off without it looking really lame you know like yeah, they no, really I, did modernize it it's hustled it's like um mm-hmm. i i gotta i gotta still to this day give it to amen o'donoghue on roast google he was the one to put it in my head of how it should look he, he said patrick swayze in point break and i'm like holy crap that actually is the way that <laughs> yeah. it would look and they did it basically here so yeah. you know i uh, the whole design in general i'm like this yeah this works so. yeah oh yeah i love it let's see and then, you know, you, you get the quips again and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, when, my, fa- my favorite one is from Skeletor. And Mark Hamill is playing Skeletor very nicely in this flashback. I, he's got a good Skeletor voice in there. He, he slips sometimes, unfortunately. But this one's good. And he's when they first throw him off the boat and he just goes, I'd worry about our next tussle. 
but I wouldn't hold my breath. (laughs) It's like, like, there it is. (laughs) Yep. yep. I'm loving it. And, and and what gets me is like, uh, I would have loved to see, like you said, it's pure filmation. And and the thing is, it's just pure classic era. I would have loved for them to even sidestep what they're doing with the show and just go into a show that is, here's all these flashbacks and here's the stories they're about in that Yeah, just give us all one-off episodes. Yeah, they they really did give that old school feeling watching this and it's like, it made you hungry for more, you know, no matter yeah. what. I mean, I, I want to know how those handcuffs were something He-Man can't get out of. I know there's the diamond or yeah, there's like a glowing crystal jewel. of some yeah. sort. Yeah. But it it's kinda, like, well, what was that, you know? And honestly, was, it, was that the stuff that, the uh, what is it? The, uh, I, uh, what it, the stuff is, uh, harnesses made out of cor- cor- Corridite. Cor- Corridite. Thank it's you. Cor- in the Corridite. classic series, Maybe it's, cor- it's Corridite. The Corridan, Mike Young. Corridan. Mike Young. <laughs> I feel like I'm drunk trying to say this, and I'm having an iced tea. This is nuts. Mike Young <laughs> messed around with with what Corridite is a little bit, so I, I'm, that's probably where you get confused because they made it more mm. of a rare, more powerful. Um, but honestly, what it reminded me of was um, I can't think of the name of the artifact, but the the harnesses that they made in in Mike Young. Uh, in turnabout where it's uh, the belt for Skeletor the, and the belt the, for Skeletor and if then he's the going to be evil and He-Man. electrocutes him exactly yeah well and because it was kind of like whenever He-Man struggled that jewel glowed so it looked mm-hmm. like it was actually like absorbing his strength like not that it was incapacitating him it's that no it's you the one of those the more you struggle the you know the weaker you get type of thing mm-hmm. and now that I say yeah, that that's worked now that I say that phrase, I want to say there was something in Filmation that worked the same way. Oh, that's going to bug me now. But, uh, it, but it's very Masters of the Universe. Whatever this artifact mm-hmm. is, it's very Masters of the Universe. Like, don't even question it. It's like, absolutely. It makes perfect mm-hmm. sense why He-Man's incapacitated. And, uh, and we learned that Merman, they're kind of going with a little more of that early mini-comic here because he is allied with Skeletor here helping him take over this royal vessel. He's not he doesn't he's not as subservient. It really seems like that the Lords of Power kind of era where mm-hmm. it's you know Merman has the sea and Skeletor goes to him when he has things he needs to accomplish on the sea, but he's not hanging out at Snake Mountain necessarily. Yeah, and uh I even the quips like you said he, he has that one up that I wouldn't hold my breath and I you know it no wonder you're taking up piracy, Skeletor. Your face is on yeah. the flag, you know, and stuff like you know, and you're all washed up, Skeletor, you know. And I, it worked for me on that level of the the old school, like the dad humor on the oh, show yeah. in that way. No, it's and um, now uh, now we're down to the one character where I I li- literally watching it, I, I did like a double take listening because. When Merman talks, all I kept hearing was "I'm Batman," and I'm like, "Okay, Kevin Conroy, why?" why? It, it they, sounded they, a little more menacing than Batman. I'll give it a little darker they, edge, but yes, it is. It it, it is a human voice. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it's a very regal, very menacing, very 
Like, even if I heard, you know, you got someone playing Neptune and, like, a Percy Jackson, like, that's a great voice for him. Mm-hmm. But Merman's got to have a a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit of a, you know. And actually, rewatching it today, it sounded like he was trying to do a little something on his M's. If you if you if you really hone in on the M's, it sounds like he's trying to put a little mer on them, like just a little. But he's really not going for it. And when Masters of the Universe, you go big or you go home. Like this mm-hmm. is what it is. So mm-hmm. that was one of the disappointments for me too. It's like I just need a little reverb, a little mer, a little mm-hmm. like, something in between here, just to yeah, make it uh, merman. He should have just a little bit of water left in his gills. For like, uh, it, it, you can't deny it. When you hear Mark Hamill, there are, there are definitely moments where it's like, no, that's Joker. You know, like it, it, he doesn't do it as much as I, I was instinctively no. going to think he would have when I, when I, before I got to see the show. But with this one, it's like it's Batman underwater, and like there's yeah. a, there's a few even moments in this one where where it's got that, uh, or or no, wait, maybe the no, it is this episode where <laughs> where you know like. The ocean never forgets, and neither does Merman. And you forgot yeah. Merman, and all. And it's like, and he talks about himself even in the third person, which also makes it a little nutty to me. I don't know because <laughs> I don't remember him doing that to himself. It, the only thing I always remember about Merman from the Filmation episodes, in particular, was how often I got to hear Bakun. <laughs> it's that one episode with the. It's like okay, I had that, and then and then when I when I go to two thousand X, all I keep thinking is just shut your mouth, just shut up. I'm so sick of hearing your voice. I hated that version, but it, it's like I don't. I again, Kevin Conroy, amazing actor, amazing uh, voice actor, but there there was like a him for Merman of all characters still is the head scratcher for me. But Absolutely. it also brought like a little more threateningness that that merman yep. typically doesn't have so i kind of see maybe that's the the avenue they were going i guess um so next uh, so we got and actually uh it segues right into scene here it ends with you know he mantila and man at arms beating up everybody saving the day and yeah uh uh, He-Man, you know, looms over Skeletor and delivers the, that great line. Uh, yeah, thanks to Man at Arms, you're all wet, and <laughs> that segues right into our. Uh, it's a trio at this point, so yes, Tila, Andra, and Evelyn uh, heading through a thick forest, and Andra going. He did not say you're all wet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Tila's reminiscing pretty fondly at this point. She got a nice smile on her face. She seems happy, and she goes, "Yeah, he man, he man had the the humor of an overgrown teenager who didn't get out much." So, <laughs> and I think for Tila, even that's a little bit of a moment, like, "Huh, I should have seen it, shouldn't I?" You know, I mean, I think that's got to be in the back of her mind, where it's like. Huh, they really were kind of the same person, even though, mm-hmm. even for all their differences. Yeah. Um, but here again, too, in this, like, obviously, it's the first time Andrew's hearing about this. So, like I said in the past episode, you're really getting the point that Tila has moved on from her past life. This is not something she brings up regularly. And this is kind of because Andrew's just seeing this up. She's like, I'm loving these old stories. Um, 
you know, and, and when they reveal that they're on their way to find Man-at-Arms, Andrew's like, Man-at-Arms, I'd love to meet him. It's like, dude, this Tila has never even told her about her father. Like, mm-hmm. she she doesn't seem to have any idea. Because she's just excited about meeting Man-at-Arms, who, you know, the inventor of all these great things. And it doesn't even once occur to her. So obviously she doesn't know that he's her adoptive father. Yeah. Yeah, I... Like we said in the previous episode, there is a certain amount of, you know, how long have they even known each other at this point? Because you would would eventually, and and Tila is a more stubborn character. Most iterations of her, she has that stubbornness. She has that uh, fieriness about her and all that. And and, um, I think, yeah, she would be a really tough nut to crack to get Mm -hmm. some of that out of her. But I feel like after a certain point, she would have at least let her in a little more. So my guess, you know, like we, we guessed in the last episode, how much time I'd say, I'd say you're right about the two year mark I'm thinking about for the years. story, for, but for I the, think from, the two, yeah. from, from, from incident to now, yep. but I think they probably have only been working together maybe one year or even yeah, less yeah, doing what they're six, doing six months to a year. I, yeah. That's my, my, my yep. thing was six to a year as well, because yep. I, after a certain point, if you're with a person that long, no matter yep. what, there gets to be a point where you start sharing a little about yourself. Right. And, and she's doing it here, which it, there, that just kind of lets, you know, this is a checkpoint in their yep. relationship and their friendship or whatever. So, yeah. Nope, I agree, and it you know we get some nice we get some nice uh, uh, interpersonal stuff here, and it's throughout the episode, but it starts here with you know uh, Tila and Evelyn. They're taking they're taking a little bit of jabs at each other, but they're also mm-hmm. really it, it's kind of a thing like you know you know your enemies like yeah they have been on opposite sides of the battlefield, but they've been opposite so long. It's like it's hard for them to hide anything from each other, even though they've always been enemies. It's go back to mm-hmm. that filmation episode, the witch and the warrior, you know, where they're mm-hmm. stranded in the desert together. And that relationship is continued right here. It's like, it's like, we've been fighting against each other so long. I know how you're going to react. I know what you're thinking, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. but, and she also, it's, it, it, it's kind of interesting. And I never thought about it before, but evil Lynn even says, you know, Oh, he man, you know, yeah, he's 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 a goody goody, but he's overhyped. And she's mm-hmm. like, I always told every snake mountaineer, which I love that term, snake mountaineer. <laughs> um, that that I mean, evil warrior is good, but there's something about snake mountaineer. I'm like, ooh, I like that. that that's <laughs> that's probably going to be my go to for the bad guys um, from here on out. But uh, she says she always used to tell everybody like. Watch out for Man at Arms. He's the dangerous one. He's the most mm-hmm. dangerous man on Eternia. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. You know, cue the cue the title card. But and I never really thought about it in that perspective before. But I can see where you get there because he's experienced. He's smart. He's creating the weapons. You know, he's leading a lot of the heroic warriors, especially when He Man's not around. And even, you know, especially Mike Young Productions, but Inflammation as well, He-Man doesn't really take charge of the battlefield a lot. You know, he's that he's that one-on-one guy. I'm going to get Skeletor, you know, buzz off, mm-hmm. come with me, or whatever, you know, especially Inflammation. Like, he, 
he wasn't really the battlefield leader that was man at arms or Tila. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what? I get, I get what you're saying there. And I never thought about it, but yeah, it really is. And even Skeletor's had many plots over the years in every era to just capture man at arms and turn him to his side. Yeah. And, uh, 2000 X, the easy go to again, the, the, um, council of evil one. I like mm-hmm. after those episodes, that three parter, you see how driven he is to never let his guard down again. Right. And that's a guy that you don't want to put in that level because he is literally pushing everybody to their brink because right. he knows something he did made them weak. And, you know, like I, that's why, like I said, in 2000 X, that version of him has always been my favorite because I've never really cared about the character when they showed him as the, the commander on the battlefield and the tactician yep. And, I, and like he's the guy heading up the the army of yep. the uh, the uh, masters in 2000X. And He-Man is just kind of like the WMD character that shows up when all else is lost, you know? So in that way, it's like, yeah, he's 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 multiple fronts yeah. for the for the villains, no matter what you do in any version. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so it's revealed they're on their way to find Man at Arms. He is considered the most dangerous man in Eternia, and uh, and so then we're taken to this remote village that's basically a wasteland, except for this one fountain that is down to just a drip at a time, just a trickle of water, and you find out that this is uh, a magical fountain with magical water and uh. And you've got a whole line of villagers just trying to get just, they're each allowed like a little cup full just to, you know, to do whatever with. It seems uh, as we see the one guy falls and spills his, he trips and, you know, plants grow where it's spilled. So it looks like basically the crops on Eternia need some, like everything in Eternia here is tied into magic. So, you Mm. know, maybe farmers just trying to grow a little bit of crop, you know, whatever. They need this water. Um, and, and there's a, there's a, you know, people are mad cause some of it was spilled and wasted and they don't know how long it's even going to last from here on out. And this, this cloaked mysterious man steps in and <laughs> saves the guy like, Hey, you know, leave him alone. Um, uh, but that's pretty short lived as Triclops and his techno cult end up rolling up and they are. Uh, they're basically on a mission to anybody, you know, obviously anybody who's willing to join their cult, come on in. You'll drink from, you know, the motherboard, the nanites, and you'll be welcome. But I think they're trying to force, they're trying to force on everybody else by taking, they're on a mission to take out any magical totem, artifact, relic, whatever. They want all the mm. magic gone so people have no other choice. And they roll up with this impressive looking cannon, uh, that's very much in the the screech deco and design it almost looks like a road ripper crossed with a big cannon crossed with you know the screech color form it's it's great i mean mm-hmm. this, is, this is probably my favorite newly designed vehicle in this series and there's a there's a few of them but the screech mm-hmm. cannon i i really enjoyed that <laughs> I think that's what we're calling it from now on. Because I can't think of just like you said about the the snake mountaineers and now the screech. <laughs> I'd be curious if they have a name for it. I I wouldn't be surprised if in the script it doesn't have something. The 
But uh, but yeah, I lo- and they end up uh, they, they actually succeed for what it's worth. They they blow that uh, straight to smithereens, and uh, they're trying to to abduct all these people, and the, the mysterious stranger jumps in and. You know, he's trying to fight them off while still holding on to the cup of water he's already gotten. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, I, I like this scene. I like the Alkalites with all their robotic parts. Uh, we see Trapjaw again, who I thought for sure was dead because of that that buzzsaw to the face. So when he rolls up piloting the cannon, I'm like, oh, wow. And he's got the big old <laughs> scar, and now he's got a robotic eye instead of a regular eye. It's like, Oh no, we we are we are playing for keeps here. He's not dead, but he's he's not okay either. As they said, "Tis a flesh wound." Yeah, <laughs> which it, it sounded like a lot more than a flesh wound when you listen to that episode oh, and you hear the the sound effect they made for that sequence. But but yeah, it, honestly, it, uh, I know in the last episode when when that happened. I actually was probably was more like, oh come on, we're not going to see tra- a trap jaw ever again because I want to have my trap jaw triclops yep. problem when I talk on the show. Absolutely, <laughs> but it made me happy. It actually made me go, he's still alive. You know? Yeah, like, that was that was at least good because he is one of my favorite evil warriors, no matter what. So, uh, and and to see him turning even more cybernetic and robotic because mm-hmm. you know parts of his body already are. I'm like. That didn't bother me at all. That actually no. was uh, that makes, makes sense. sense. You know, he's going to keep augmenting himself as he can or whatever. So. Absolutely. So Trapjaw is alive. So that means our death count is still de- It's still only two, right? So we got Adam and Skeletor. For yeah. those keeping track at home, we're still at yep. two. Keep two. that in your back pocket. We'll get back to that. <laughs> um, we got a lot of stuff in our pockets by now. We're getting way down. Mm-hmm. But that's, I'm going to have you know, to start standing up again. Not, <laughs> not to dive deep, but that is a testament to they actually sat down and planned this out pretty well, in my opinion, where, you know, all these little things are just kind of like, yeah, we're going to do this in episode three, but just hold on. It's, you know, we got more. That's that's the whole thing about this series, and I I don't know if it was necessarily Kevin Smith and his way of storytelling that he was like let's let's try to do these things, or yeah. if it was Mattel or if it was Netflix or whoever. But it's it, this show has so many times where if you see something happen earlier, yeah, you're going to see the payoff for it, or or like a a callback, uh, a bookend, or a yeah. callback somewhere on the episode. Which, again, when we get to certain episodes at the end here, that's why I'm saying I don't think that's the only time you're going to see this stuff and the payoff's going to be bigger in the next part. Exactly. But I I like that personally because oh, yeah. it, at least, it, like you said, it puts some thought into we did that here. Let's do that here. And it, it'll maybe have the opposite effect or yeah. it'll have, you know, the, it, you'll have that callback. It's like, ah, see, we really we were thinking that through, like you're saying. And. This show is full of those, but I never felt like that was a bad thing. Right. So we got we got a nice fight scene here. Uh, Tila, Andra, and Evelyn end up stepping in, uh, taking on Triclops as well. Andra disables a Screech Cannon. Uh, don't worry, they'll get it running again. Spoiler alert. Um, and 
And but they're still getting their butts handed them pretty good. I mean, this is a this is a tough fight, and uh, I like I like all the alkalites with the rope, the 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 cable arms. Like with mm-hmm. it's again, it's very masters here. Basically, the the fight ends with uh, Tila, Evil, all the heroic guys all getting wrapped up in these steel cables, which took me right right flashback to you know. He-Man on, on the arms of the Collector in the Christmas special when he's all mm-hmm. tied up and he, you know, can't get free. Um, mm-hmm. But this time it is it is uh, Beast Man who makes his appearance and uh, frees them and gets Triclops pinned and says basically, hey, you are you try and hurt evil and you're, you're against me and I will gut you right here. I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he is the savage henchman, um, mm-hmm. and so the, the Triclops ends up turning tail and running away. You know, leaving them. Uh, and we find, and I kind of like how we're seeing this split. Like I said, there's there's a bigger story you've seen than what we've seen, and you know, it's kind of cool seeing all the. I don't really want to say classic, but more more the primal evil warriors are kind of away from Triclops and his techno cult, you know? And he's mm-hmm. re- that split in the Snake Mountaineers is really, the more that I see of it, it's like, man, I really want to know that story. Like, I want, what yeah. are the guys we haven't seen again yet? Clawful and Spycor and, you know, where, where'd they go? what they do? But here's Beastman. Mm-hmm. He's sworn allegiance to Evil Lynn. Um, and again, this really sets up that there was probably this big rift in snake mountain and basically evil Lynn and triclops were the two heads and you were either with one of them you know civil war it's either you join sides with one of them and you know they and triclops end up winning control of snake mountain like that's mm-hmm. that's what we're led to believe here well the other thing too is out of the main three it, i always I know Evil Lynn is technically one of the big ones for Snake Mountain, but I always go back to, you know, Skeletor, Beastman, Merman being the core yeah. villains because of how I they grew were the up. First. Yeah, they were the and first. They were the slave. first. So yeah. there's that element of it. And you notice that, you know, both of those, Merman and Beastman, are, they're stripped down to, yeah. you know, like they don't have those, those uh, chest pieces anymore for right. their armor. It's just here they are. But they're they're natural and they're very much of their elements. Yeah, they were. And then anyone the- else other than Evil Lynn, it's like they're now the techno ones. Yep. So it's almost that riff is like right there yep. in between the eight back uh, characters yep. versus everybody else that followed. There you go. And Evil Lynn is like straddling that since she came out, you know, shortly after the eight back or whatever. Yeah. But I, I I like that a lot, and, and like you said, that story that we haven't been told is interesting to me because Evil yeah. Lynn didn't get a hell of a lot of support other than Beast Man, obviously, which is how Triclops managed to take the you know he yeah. he took the house, she took the kid, you know, right. it's that kind of a feeling in in this in this uh, evil divorce of of sorts now exactly. that dad's died you know that's exactly that that's exactly yeah. what i feel it's who get who gets everything now and yeah exactly and she oh. lost she lost big time but they're but all the yeah all the primal those original characters are kind of like we're gonna go do our thing and triclops mm-hmm. has his band doing theirs and yeah. um 
but yeah, so so battle's over. They think the mysterious stranger who no one saw coming was actually man at arms. Yeah. Um just kidding. Everybody saw that coming. It's it's yeah. Well, the one the one thing I, I want to say is, uh, and and I'm not I, <laughs> I'm not trying to pick on the show, but can we stop that where we have cloaked people and they pull off the robes and we know yeah. who the person is? <laughs> because even even like in the preview, or, uh, Roboto pulls the poncho off. It's like I knew it was Roboto. Man yeah. Arms pulls it off. I, I knew that. And then when when He Man pulls off the uh, cloak in front of Gray Skull, we had a fifty fifty shot if it was yeah. He Man or Faker, and that was it. And it's like. They even did that with the Transformers cartoon where Ultra Magnus puts a cloak on. And it's like, if you look at the silhouette, you know who he is. He can't yeah. hide that, you know. But I, I, I'm kind of done with that as a cliche. Can we not do that anymore? It's right. Just, it, it's E-Man. It's Man-at-Arms. It's, you know, whoever. Or whatever. Yeah, I guess it's, it's like, I guess it's trying to, like, in-universe, it's trying to save the the... Hey, it's Man Arms. Like, try because then we can deal with like Man Arms Tila after the battle, you know? Sure. But yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, I, I'm the same way. I'm like, yeah, keep his face in shadow all you want. Everybody knows who he is. I mean, you, exactly. You ain't got that even. One. Yeah. Uh, well, even 2000 X. The when when they did the whole thing of Skeletor's walking around trying to find uh, mm. the uh, Hall of Wisdom, and he's got his head in shadow. Right. And that whole time, it's like, I know it's... And then when he reveals it, I'm like, if I didn't know Masters, that might have been, wow, but I know this, and I know it's not right. as scary as the reveal was trying to make it to me. So it, it, it's almost like a callback to that show for me at this point. Yeah. I'm like, you know who's under there, but we're just... Still get, it's like, it's like just just placate the, the character. Let them have their fun. They're back again for f- the first time in almost 40 years, you know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> play and, along, <laughs> and so it, it it leads it to to then we got the you know man at arms apologizing to Tila. She's calling him Duncan. She's having none of it. She's like, hey, mm-hmm. we're here, we're here because we need you. We're not here because I I want a, you know a relationship with you. So, but he's asking forgiveness. He'll make it up to her. All that and. um but he's got to, he's got to get back to his shack because someone is waiting for him, and you yeah. find out that uh, Orko's been with him this whole time, and Orko is very very weak. I mean, you take uh, a troll and relies solely on magic, so this the lack of magic is literally killing him. He's weak. He's tired. the 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 waters for him. That's why Manars was fighting so hard to to not you know not spill it to get out of there with it because he needs that once he drinks that he's feeling a little bit better but he's still not full strength and uh it's it's kind of interesting that but it also makes sense that after all those years all that you know orco and everything else but yeah those two when the chips are down and they're both expelled out of the royal palace they're you know they stick together. Yeah, it's it's the equivalent. Like that part got me. That yeah. that part really did get me because, uh, like, when I think of the two of them, I don't see. It, it's like you want to talk about the odd couple. There you have it. They're roommates right. now, and Orko drove him nuts. Orko yeah. made any magic trick that failed usually aimed it right at Duncan, and Duncan was the one. Orko, you heard that almost every other episode. 
Yeah. And, um, it, but, but that, that's the thing. It's like what I say to my daughter, you know, like I wouldn't want to kick our cats out of the house. I don't want to treat them that way. I wouldn't want to be mean to them, but they right. drive me crazy, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't want them to be hurt. And I wouldn't want that. I, it, like when you see someone who is the way Orko is in this episode and you see, he's like emaciated because of what's happening. Yeah. It's like Duncan is still a good person. He's right. not somebody who's a jerk and he's just going to, well, that's the end of that trolling. And he walks away. He's going to do what he can to help him. And it, it made me love both of them for that fact, even more. So, yeah, I, this, this is where the whole episode just like, it turned on a dime for me. It's like, okay, we start off with this and now we have these like heart to heart moments and yeah. I'm sitting there going like, wow, like the power of these moments uh, really affected me. Yeah, we find out, you know, Orko, Orko was banished by King Randor as well. You know, we, we already knew about Man-at-Arms. He's not allowed to, to craft anything ever again. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just, Randor just cleaned house. He got rid of everybody who lied to him. Everybody, you know, everybody that, that he felt he couldn't trust anymore. Again, I'm... I'm a, interested to see what happened between him and the queen you know mm-hmm. um yeah but we find out we meet robato's with him as well he went with him uh and it, they pulled uh from the dc comics for robato here because in that that modern dc comics the ending in the attorney war storyline uh robato was a creation of man arms that uh, shared his neural pathways, like he programmed his own consciousness into Roboto. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's a callback to there, which was an interesting little twist here. Yeah, and it honestly, uh, this this version of Roboto really felt like home to me because he felt like the 2000X version, which is another version where 2000X did such a good job of, of doing the spotlight episodes to really get you involved in some of these characters that didn't get the spotlight as much in filmation or what, because Roboto was one of those characters that never did much for me as a kid. And then I watched 2000 X and I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, this is awesome. And it feels like it's the spiritual successor in that way with this version. And I love that he's actually, um, he, not only does he want to help, which that was his line in that episode, I want to help, I want yeah. to help, but Tila's always like, no, you're a game player, Roboto, and all that stuff. But I also love that he's also the voice of reason in this mm-hmm. talk, because Man-at-Arms is emotionally compromised here because he's seeing Tila for the first time. Tila's still dealing with her crap. They're trying to come up with a plan, and Roboto ends up being the cool head to explain this is what we can do. Right. And I love that part quite a lot. Yeah, it's great. And and so basically they, they decide, you know, uh, Roboto is going to come along with with our group of warriors uh, to help reforge a sword. Uh, Tila asks Duncan to go to Grayskull and protect the sorceress because Triclops is obviously bent on destroying everything magical. So she knows he's going to turn his attention to Grayskull eventually. And yep. uh, and there and uh, Orko even even convinces Tila to let him come along, even though, as Elon points out, he he looks like death. So, but that was one of my absolute favorite speeches in this yeah. episode. It, it was, 
and and for me being who i am about orko i'm very much like duncan on the old show where it's like i didn't hate him enough to want to see him die but i never really was that into him and him doing the whole you know please take me with you one last time you know and it's he knows this could be the end for him and he just wants to do something right. And I'm actually getting emotional to think about that. Cause it's like, yeah, man, you know, it's like, this is his, I can do this. Let me help. And yeah. it's great. It's, it's like that moment for me was probably the moment of the series because here's this character who I never really took much thought of and all this stuff. And he wants to do the right thing. And I'm like, that's yeah. heroic, and especially again, with him being the way he is in here. Death's door. He's still saying, yep. I can still help. Right. And I will. Wow. I, I won't mess up. I pray. It's like, he know. he's like, I know I, I messed up, but <clears throat> trust yeah. me, I, I can help you guys. And it's, it's that old saying, you know, at, at some point in your life, you went out to play with your friends for the last time. Yeah. And none of yeah. you realized it, you know, exactly. and that's, that's where Orko's at in his life. He's, he knows he's not going to make it much longer. There's not enough magic left. That fountain's gone at this point. And, mm. uh, and he just, he's, he's looking, he's just thinking of the old days. Like, oh, that was so much fun when we were running around. And, you know, we, it just, it, that was it. It was over. And, you know, none of us knew what we had when we had it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of his motif throughout this episode. Um, it cracks me up when uh, when Duncan goes to get uh, his helmet and it's upside down <laughs> as a as a fruit bowl. That's yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> just shows how much use it's had in the last year or two, depending what the timeline is. Good sight gags <laughs> like that. I'm like, all right. Yeah, it's it, it's. It, I look at Man at Arms as being the he's he's a u- utilitarian he's, kind yeah, of a person. It's. Hey, you know, I, I need a bowl for fruit. Yeah. Well, I'm not using this anymore. What the heck, you know? <laughs> it but uh, it's and, functional. And for the second time, I think, I think there was one that maybe it comes later. But again, we get a, a reference here where you know Duncan Duncan turns to Tila and he goes, "Hey, look." If we're not doing any more secrets, there's something I got to come clean about. There's something I have to tell you. And mm-hmm. Evelyn just like, nope, don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, we, we're not getting into any more family drama. We need, we, you know, the embers already at half the, the flame it was yesterday. We yeah. got to get moving. And again, I don't even think that she has any realization of what the secret is. Just she really is just like, hey, we ain't got time here, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. And her seeing how how Tila has already reacted to stuff that has come out, like I think she's thinking like, I can't have her spiral again. I need yeah, her yeah. to get the to help me find the two has these power swords and get this done. Like we are not doing anything right now that might throw any of us off our game. We are going, we are questing, then we can deal with all that. And mm-hmm. Duncan just looking at her and going, a story for another time then. And it's like, you know, he, he's like, because he's thinking, it's like, it's same thing. But he's thinking, this could blow up in my face again. Like, she, yeah. calls, she calls him dad again by the end of this scene, Tila does. Yeah. And it's he's like, okay, so there is... There is a path. I think they're both realizing, like, okay, there is a path to recovery. 
Like mm-hmm. these wounds can be healed where even a day ago, both of them were going like, there's no way there's no coming back from this, but getting together, talking, being with each other has shown them that, Hey, there is a way back. Nothing yeah. in family is ever too broken that mm-hmm. you can't come back from it. And uh, I just think that is, and so for Duncan, it's, uh, it's in his head. He's like, if, if she, if I'm not the one to tell her, spoiler alert, that the sorceress is her mother, then it's going to come back on me again. And that might be it this time. Mm-hmm. I might not get the other chance. So, you know, we're kind of yeah. left with, with some bridges healing, but, uh, you know, there's still that threat, you know, with the secrets we keep. Well, I mean, it, it, at this point, it, if uh, if it blows up in his face, if the evil lit is nearby, I, if, I, if, I, if I was Duncan, I'd be yeah. like, I blame her. You know, I, like, I was going to tell you, episode three, here's episode the timestamp even. That's yeah. what I was going to tell you. And she butted in. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there, there's, there are some, you mentioned it earlier, there's some deep character arcs in there there's some deep emotion and thought given to this storyline like this is this is the reckoning this is after all those saturday morning you know fun capades this this is the reckoning like this like loco said you just you never know when it's going to be your last adventure and this is kind of the the comeuppance of all of that like it feels very natural to me to be in this place it it does and and for me being somebody who's always hoped to see what happens next because yeah. everybody is so entrenched in this is what we had and it's like right. okay but we can go further and when i right. see these stories that they're telling here you know like people can have their their opinions you know positive and negatively but oh, for absolutely. me it's like at least i'm getting to see something that is adding to what we already had and going, we're going to finally go there because we never did, you know? And, right. and so in that way, you know, there, there's going to be things I, I love and I don't love about the show, but for the most part, I will always look at it favorably for the fact that it finally is going to places that I feel they always kind of hinted or alluded or maybe not promised but alluded enough to go, yeah. okay, so what would that mean here? What what, well, they, what happens next? Yeah, they always you know? promised it would come someday. You know, at the end yeah. of Tila's quest, you know, it's obviously set up, yeah, we're wiping Tila's memory for now, but someday she's going to have to face this. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Tila's triumph. She kind of filled in for the sorceress without anybody really telling her what's going on. It's like, yeah, it was, you know, eventually someday this has to come out. And mm-hmm. we, have, we will deal with it. And that was kind of the... The setup as we were kids. Like, yes, someday yep. you will get your payoff. And to me, this is it. So, yeah. But carrying yeah. on with the story. So now we're on the high seas. Beastman, uh, Tila, Andra, Orko, and Roboto. And they, they again, we got some of these great character moments. Guys, this dialogue is great. The, Orko and Andra. The, here's where Orko talks about, you know, these are the days you're going to forget. You you think you won't at the time, but, you know, eventually all the adventures kind of blur together and you mm-hmm. don't know where the time's gone. It's like, yeah, when every day, you know, you're dealing with just this crazy magic or 
villains or whatever, eventually, yeah, that becomes the norm, and you don't realize mm-hmm. how special it is. It's it's that same thing. Orko is very reminiscent of the of the days past because Andra, she's that young adventurer. This is her first thing. She's like, I would never forget this. He's like, Yeah, you will. When you if you're yeah. on enough of these, they'll all blur together. And uh, there are people out there that want to say, you know, Orko is, is uh, you know, like so depressive in this. But it's like, look at where he is in his in his character arc. He's yeah. basically at death's door here. Right. And something uh, something that I wanted to say about that in particular was uh, on Twitter. Now that we're on Twitter, I've been following some of the people that work on the show. And uh, Griffin Newman, the voice of yeah. uh, Orko. He actually retweeted that there was someone who uh, loved the way that he did this character because oh, yeah. they said the journaling part of that that he brings up, it's also something that happens when you have depression. You as right. a depressive individual, you're going to forget some of the good and you're focusing on all the bad. Yeah. And they said that was a really – it mattered to them to hear something like that because they're yeah. dealing with that in their lives. And it's like – there you go. You know, I, I really like that where the typical happy-go-lucky, the childlike character, I don't want no, to see it where he's going to be suicidal, but it's no, allowed to have him be the way he is in this show. It's He's going through a bunch of stuff. He lost his best friend. He lost his home. He yep. lost – he's losing his life. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you and be I think down in the dumps a little bit, you know? I, I felt less like he was, like, suicidal and more just like – um like someone who's in hospice, honestly. Like he's, yeah, he knows yeah, he's at exactly. it. And basically, mm-hmm. he's getting this opportunity to be the mentor. He's being, because he, Andrew's this young kid who has never done anything. And that, that's what he's telling her. He's telling her, hey, he's telling her what he wishes he had done. He's like, hey, keep a journal. So that way, at mm-hmm. the end of your days, you can look back on it all. Because I don't have that. And I'm weak. And I'm, I'm, you know, not necessarily old, but. He's like, he knows he's dying. He, he makes mm-hmm. no, he's got no qualms about that. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's happening at planet. He knows where he's going. And mm-hmm. he's just like, hey, if I can impart a little bit of wisdom onto this young adventurer who's just starting, you know, that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like that meme with uh, James Franco where Andrew would be the one going, and now we're on a ship and now we're doing this and now we're doing that. And then he just, Orco's James Franco going, First time, huh? You know, yeah. like, and it's it's weird to see him in that position because he's no. typically not, and it's kind of fun in that way. Right? So. He's usually the un- sure. young and experienced one, so I think mm-hmm. he's he's enjoying this last adventure. He's enjoying this chance to you know be able to to talk to her. And yeah, I thought mm-hmm. the journaling thing was a great little thing, and I I don't think that came in there loosely. I think that was very much intended mm-hmm. uh, for all that. So. Um, and then we get we get a great moment between Tila and Evil Lynn again. And uh, forgive my memory, I'm a little blurred between the forest and this one. But basically, they're both kind of about the same thing. How you know, um, you know, Tila or Evil Lynn's taking jabs at Tila's. You know, was always hung up on He Man back in the day. He uh, Tila's taking jabs at Evil Lynn, saying she was hung up on Skeletor. And Evil Lynn's basically like, yeah, we, we were both fools, weren't we? You know, yeah. I, I know early in the forest when she made the comment to Andrew about how she liked to go after dangerous men. You know, mm-hmm. that they were exciting mm-hmm. and everything. You know, and it's it's interesting to see Evil and kind of everyone's in kind of this retrospective look, like you know, 
you know, you never know when your best days are going to be behind you. And sometimes you look back and you're like, yeah, I probably could have done that better. I probably could have made some better choices. But it's interesting to see Evil Wing being the one like, yeah, I probably could have done more if I hadn't, you know, mm-hmm. hooked up with Skeletor or teamed up with him, however you want to look at it. As the old man on the show, I can tell you that most of my days are me sitting there going, if I would have just done this. <laughs> so like watching this show, like, again, it's, 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 it's yeah. pointed at the hardcore fans and point, it pointed at all of us in our thirties and forties, but it's, it, there yeah. are those things of, it's kind of nice to see these characters who do look back and have some regrets who do look back right. at, it's like they have these incredible journeys, incredible uh, adventures, all this, you know, like magic and uh, action around them. And yet at the same time, there's still that, yeah, didn't do this though. So right. it's like, nobody has the perfect life. It's just no. that simple. And I like, I like the moment between uh, Evelyn and Tila where, you know, uh, Tila says basically, "Hey, I've made I've made peace with my past. I've moved on." And Evelyn just looks at her and goes, "Yeah, said the warrior on the road to hell." Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I was mean about earlier. It's like it's like Evelyn knows Tila. She's like, "No one's no one's being fooled by this. You are not done with your past. You have not made the peace you think you have. You've just mm-hmm. ignored everybody since everything went down. There's a mm-hmm. big difference. You have not accepted." anything yeah and I, I did like her you're the one that has the skeletor in your closet that that line just yeah that was good time too, too. <laughs> um but all this introspection is quickly disrupted by the return of the aquaticans uh who blow up the motor on the ship and their leader merman who has gotten rid of his chest harness and has upgraded to some more 2000 XE armor. They're definitely the the bigger you know shin guards with the blue on top and the longer loincloth. So that was that was a neat tweet. Oh, and he lost an eye. I forgot about. He that. lost an eye, and he's he got lost. scarred. Scars Everyone's got to lose yeah. body parts. That shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and I. Honestly, that, those two designs still don't land with me a hundred percent because I still liked that when you saw the vintage, or the classic yeah. Merman earlier in the episode, and then you see this one, he looks so slight, and the other one looked more majestic and, and, and like you were saying, broad with He-Man. Yeah, he looked broad with that that armor on. Right. And when, it, when you see him the other way, it's like he looks like an Olympic sw- swimmer, you know? Like, it just doesn't have the same regalness to me. But, um, but, again, but yeah, he lost an eye, apparently. It feels, <laughs> like like we said, it feels like the primal characters are going back to the basics. They're like, yes. okay, we're stripping yeah. it. We're going back to, like, Olympic swimmer. That makes perfect sense. He's like, all right. You know, he was probably, he was probably battled Triclops for control of Snake Mountain. And that's probably where he lost the eye. And he's like, all right, I'm just doing the sea now then. Which, you mm-hmm. know, if you're just swimming all the time, you don't want that big bulky armor. You want to be streamlined. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess, like I said, it makes sense to me in that regard. You know, Beastman went back to the jungle. He stripped down. He's, you know, he's a survivalist, a minimalist. It's like all the primal characters have gone back to their corners and they... Just sure. happened to boot into the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually, he actually, 
takes care of them quite quickly. He's He's got everyone trapped and rounded up, and that's it for our heroic group. And he's pretty pissed at Evil Lynn because yeah. he, apparently in the story we haven't seen, he wanted to have her and him right. join together, her on land, him in the sea, and they would have ruled the entire planet that way. And apparently Evil Lynn did not have an interest in doing that with Merman. Right. I, I I took that as the whole, you know, like there are a lot of people that think Merman is kind of like Aquaman where up until Jason Momoa became him, he was kind of a joke, you know? <laughs> and I kind of view it like she looked at him the same way. Like, why would I team up with you? You know? Yeah. And now he's got her where he wants her, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, I thought that was kind of fun. And it added a little bit of like a, history to that story we don't that's know what i'm yet, saying so. that whole there was something there and basically yeah the basically triclops was able to amass the largest army and that and that gave him control so mm-hmm. um but luckily for our heroes uh man at arms did not listen and did not go directly <laughs> to gray skull he has been following them making sure they got uh to the entrance to subternia safely and he rides up and proves his moniker of the most dangerous man in Eternia as he single-handedly defeats all the Aquaticans and Merman. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Beastman ends up choking him down for the final step, but Man-Arms kicks him right into Beastman. I mean, he once Man-Arms gets there, it's all him. He steals the yeah. show. Yeah, that fight sequence really made me go like my god it's it's like something out of a batman movie yeah he's using i mean he's using his grappling hook in in the battle and that's one of those things where it's like that's impressive you know when you can actually think okay the grappling hook's gonna let me do this and pull this guy and it's like yeah it's like a game of pull or something at that point all the angles that you're playing to make it all work and it's like, Absolutely. yeah, I, I like that he gets the chance to prove himself in that moment of why Evil Lynn was always like, see, I told you so. He's the right, one exactly. <laughs> and no, I love that that scene. That scene is fantastic. I can't even describe it for all the all the stuff that happens. But go watch it. It's it's amazing watching him dispatch everybody. And then the last mm-hmm. once he once he gets Merman into Beastman's arms and he gets strangled out, then he just looks at the last two Aquaticans and they pull the. Oh, nope, we're out of here, and they jump off yep. the side of the boat. <laughs> um, and and that you know, and just man arms being man at arms. He's he's going he's going to follow you. He's going to make sure you're all right. And that that's basically it. He he's he said, all right, you're safe now. You're going to make it. They make merman take them the rest of the way since their motor's blown. Uh, you know, he controls the sea and gives them a good current and gets them there and. And Manor's like, all right, you made it safe. It's on you now. I now I'm going to Gray School. I just I had to make mm. sure you got there safe. <laughs> and uh, and of course, Merman he delivers that final line of you know the sea never forgets, and neither do I. So yeah. I, I really hope we see him back in in this series to to mm-hmm. have a little bit of come a reckoning with everybody because he got pretty yeah. he got pretty demolished there. Yeah, but I, I, the one thing I can say, uh, like, I I was impressed that they showed he's a force to be reckoned with in this oh, series yeah. much more than previously, where, for the love of God, that damn flying fish and all that crap. I, I mean, like, the, why didn't I bring the flying fish today? Uh, I don't need that. 
but but yeah they made it like okay not and and on top of that i don't think that was ever um that was that was never like a power of his but but the whole like using the water and, yeah. and manipulating the water to move him and stuff it's like that's actually pretty useful if you think about it you know when you're at least near the water or whatever so um but yeah, no, I, I actually was I was more impressed than not by him in this compared to previous incarnations. Just that voice, it, it's like you know. Yeah, it, it, I, I I feel like uh, who's the guy that does uh, Zoidberg on uh, Futurama? Oh, isn't that uh, Phil Lamar? I don't know. Doesn't I, I I feel bad that I don't know his name, but but like when when I'd hear that voice that always made me think merman and it would have been like it just take him transplant him and put him into this oh, no. show and that would have been merman yeah. billy west does it billy west okay yep. okay so he, he, he's he's a voice acting god too yeah basically is. if phil lamar doesn't do a futurama voice it's probably billy west so mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's true but yeah, no, I like that they set him up to to be a threat in the future as well. He's like, hey, this this isn't over. You let me live. Like you're <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where that goes from there. And where, you know, I'd love to see where he winds up with, you know, well, we'll say if Skeletor comes back. Mm-hmm. Put that but, in your back pocket. <laughs> you. Well, we gotta put it in our back harness now because we're running yes. out of we're running out of space in the pockets. Um, After only two episodes, we already ran out of space. So now we are at the 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 entrance to Subternia, which is in this canon, the land of the dead. Um, and it just uh, this black monolith pillar rising into the sky with this skeleton with no head standing guard and sitting in front of it um Mm -hmm. gotta be a faceless one reference right i mean the armor and everything it's just like yeah and and, yeah go ahead no that's that's what i automatically went to that armor is very much distinctive of the faceless one yeah Right, and he's got no head, so no face. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. even, again, it's tying into Mike Young ca- canon, but the fact that Evil Lynn can use the Havoc staff head by placing it on there, and that opens the port, the entrance, uh, you know, that's a callback to the to MV Creations comics, where they established that the Havoc staff came from Zalesia and the Faceless One. Like, he was the original owner of it. So... That was a nice tie-in, too, that, you know, mm-hmm. the Havoc Staff has some purpose beyond just being a powerful artifact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, you know, that opens the, that lifts the monolith into the air, reveals this staircase descending deep into the planet's core, and our heroes descend down. Da, da, da. Yeah, it's... Uh, I oh and there was there was the point I don't, it was either here or on the boat like Orko does make the comment that he feels better mm-hmm. here that it was know, on the boat yep yeah so take that put it in your other back harness pocket <laughs> so yeah so roll credits I mean that it, 
again, it was a great ending. It's it. This is another episode where I'm like, I'm like, nope. Next, I didn't watch the credits first time. I'm just like, nope. Click on to the to the next. You know, mm-hmm. next. Let's go. I don't even wait the countdown. I'm I'm a clicker. Mm-hmm. Like credits roll. Uh, let's go because this is, you know, <laughs> this episode for me. I kind of, you know, we we talked about that yes or last episode. It's it's kind of hard even to rank the first episode with any of these, you know, because it just feels like a whole different time, which it is. Mm-hmm. But you know, the the second episode was was a bit of a drag. We've said that, it, but this episode where it's like, all right, now we're firing. Like we are we are going. Stuff is happening. We're seeing, you know, more of the world. We're getting our we're getting our our group together. Like this is the point where you feel okay. The band's together. We've got we've got Tila, who you know he she's our heroic leader. Evelyn's our magic user. Beastman's our tank. You know, Andra's our inventor, and now Orko's. He, he, you know, he, he's our little mage. He's our, you know, you get uh, looking at D and D parties. Basically, what I'm doing. He's like, he's mm-hmm. probably like our healer, our our rogue, even a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it feels like we've got a full crew, and okay, now we're gonna, now we're gonna accomplish some stuff. We're at our first destination. Now's when the adventure begins. Yeah, and the last episode, it was really, like, there was a certain amount of, you have to get used to the new reality. So that's why that episode doesn't quite fire on all cylinders. But that's the thing. The minute you bring in, the minute you bring in Man-at-Arms in this episode, you got Beast-Man in this episode coming back. Merman's coming back. It's like, there's so many of the old old guard, the old favorites that are coming in, where it's like, it's all stacking up the feel this is... This is Eternius, though. You know, it, yes. it's not just you know Teal and Andra are always doing their thing, and um, and this this is the beginning of uh, you and I were talking before we yep. started, but there there is a certain amount of now. It's not I wouldn't like we couldn't call this quote unquote the Teal show because this one highlighted Man at Arms, and it also highlights Orko to an extent. The next episode really highlights Orko. Yeah, next episode after that highlights yep. a, yeah and. And it's yeah. like it, it does a good job of kind of like shifting focus with each of these characters along yes. this journey, and it makes you actually care for a lot of the characters by the yeah. time you get to episode five. And that to me is really well done because there's people out there going, "Roboto's awesome now," and like me, I yeah. never cared about him until 2000X, and I loved the way they did it here. Also so Orko's same thing, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, yeah, Tila has definitely slid into that leader role, which she should. She was captain of the Royal Guard. She's well, you know, she's well versed in combat. She's smart. She's she might have some mystical powers that could come in handy. We'll find out. If that yeah, you know where to put it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 she. You know, and it's almost she slides into that leader, that He Man role. But really, that means, like we've said on a lot of episodes, you know, He-Man kind of takes a back seat a lot of times. Because you as a viewer, you're interested in, oh, look, Buzz-Off's in this one. Mechanix here. They're fighting mm-hmm. Webstore. You know, we're going to Stone City. Like, you know, being that leader character, you actually kind of take the back seat a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But then you're the one expected to step up and save the day, which we'll find out if Tila does or not, because she actually, uh, I wouldn't say she fails, but she she didn't win the fight with Triclops. She didn't win the fight with Merman. You know, she she's kind of been on the ropes. This has really taken a toll on her emotionally going back down, seeing these people, reliving these experiences. And I think it's priming her for a pretty big task here as we get down into the land of Subternia. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this this was a great episode. through it, it, It's more of a traditional ABC. You know, it's more of a traditional episode we're finally allowed to have because we got... We got the destruction of everything in episode one. We got the catch-up in episode two after the time jump. And now we're allowed to kind of breathe for a minute and just yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. okay, we need to find Man-at-Arms and we need to get to Subternia. Like, those are our 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 objectives here. And they, and they mm-hmm. succeed. They get there. And, you know, Beastman, he doesn't need a lot of introduction to catch us up. Uh, Man-at-Arms gets the most of it. And he shows he's still got it. You know, all those years in exile, he's still practicing every day, I'm sure. He's keeping in shape. You know, he's he's not he's not fat thoring it. So I mean that's good. No. He's ready to go <laughs> at a moment's notice. Well, the other thing, uh, you just brought that up and I, I wanted to say something earlier. This beast man yeah. on this series is actually my favorite incarnation oh, of him because savage. he's he's the version I wanted when I was a kid. When I saw Filmation, I'm like, what the hell is this? This is not like, he looks bestial. He should not look like somebody that should be like a bumbling idiot. He looks like somebody that would like, like rather like claw your throat out than have to deal with some of this stuff. And in this version, the first thing that you see when he gets into a fight, it's flat out saying to Triclops, I'll freaking kill you. Like, right. That's my beast, man. That is the version I've always wanted to see. And I'm so happy on this version. We get him finally. Yeah. And the loyal, the savage loyalty. Like, he, yes. whoever he aligns himself with, he is 110%. Like, I was mm-hmm. with Skeletor. I would die for... I'm with Evelyn now. I will die for my mistress. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's upfront about that. He's like, yeah, the only way you're getting to her is if I'm lying there dead. There's mm-hmm. no other way. You know, he he's all in. He he is the savage henchman. He, that's mm-hmm. all he knows. You know, and, you know, Beastman, he's played around a bit with here and there where he tries to go on his own or whatever, but it never works. He is very much that guy, like, I need somebody to tell me where to go, Mm -hmm. what to do, what to attack. Like, by myself, I'm never going to amount to much. And, yeah, I thought they played him perfectly. Yeah. So. All right. I think we're good on episode three, The Most Dangerous Man in Eternia. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back soon for episode four, The Land of the Dead. <laughs> uh, until then, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, go to groups, find Legends of Grayskull. Come on in. We got some, we got some great discussion, great fun there. Uh, we're on Instagram at Legends of Grayskull Podcast. Uh, I'm told we're on Twitter now at logpod85. Uh, you can get a hold of us through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, or you can yep. email us at logpod85 at gmail.com. Uh, go ahead, click those buttons down below, please. Like, 
subscribe, share, ring that bell if you are subscribed that way when we do go live, which we promise is going to be a little more often, a little more regular, because um, it's always good fun when we do. Uh, you'll get notified. It'll pop up and bug you on your phone. You can jump in and jump in and uh, give us some shit, which is always fun. <laughs> so, guys, take care, and until next time, go watch Revelation on Netflix. Yes. Oh, come on. Oh!